Hello, and welcome to the Christ Table Podcast, a Bible study for those who struggle with digging into the Bible, but who want to develop a richer faith. One with some meat on its bones. I'm Kevin Young, a media guy turned minister who's passionate about helping others thrive, especially spiritually. If you're unaware, Christ Table is a movement of people returning the church to her roots, in homes, around tables, over food with old friends and fresh conversations. Check us out over at www.christtable.today. In the meantime, today's study continues on the topic of unity as we make our journey through the book of Ephesians. Today we'll be in chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Let's dig in. One of the things that many of us experienced growing up in church was the doxology. Now, sometimes the doxology is sung at the very end of a service as a capstone. Other times the doxology is sung whenever the offerings that have been given are brought forward and then placed on uh, the altar in the sanctuary. What is a doxology, though? Well, simply stated, a doxology is simply a spontaneous burst of praise to God. Now, most of us understand the doxology to be very specific in what it states. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him uh, above your heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and and Holy Ghost. Uh, But really, a doxology can be any spontaneous burst of praise or accolades to God. When we come to Ephesians chapter 3 verses 20 and 21, what we have here is essentially Paul breaking out into one of the most famous, if not the most famous, doxology in scripture. And it is short and most doxologies are relatively short, but this is a capstone to all that Paul has said up until this point. He is so overwhelmed with the mysteries that God has allowed him to understand from the church. He's so overwhelmed at Christ giving himself for Paul and for the body that he cannot help but break out into a fit of praise. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, Paul writes, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. This is one of those verses that as a child in a Baptist church was a requirement for memorization. This is the New Living Translation that I have here. We were required to memorize it in the King James Version because, well, that was... God's version, but that's another Bible study story for another day. The point is, is that this verse has been recognized as one of the most important verses along with the next verse, verse 21 in the New Testament, that God's power at work within us, at work within you, is able to accomplish infinitely more, or another word there that translation chooses, abundantly more than you might ask or think. The image there is that God's work within you overflows out of you in ways in which you would have never expected, and that that overflowing of God's power within you is a blessing. And so the operative word in that first verse, verse 20, is power. 
God's power, and so he should receive glory because of his power that is at work in you. We want to be, I think, people of power, and we want God's power to be at work within us. But sometimes I fear that we as Christians have a incorrect view or perspective of what God's power at work within us should look like. Uh, oftentimes we want that power of God's work within us to look like financial blessing. Sometimes we want God's power at work within us to look like a superhuman ability to choose the right path. We want God's power at work within us to bring immediately to bring immediate and total healing to us and to other people. Uh, we want God's power at work within us to make us smarter, holier, uh, more whole than the average Joe. And oftentimes, I think we can say that God's power at work within us is those things. Those are the result, but not always. And I love that Paul leaves it open-ended here, that God's power at work within you can look many different ways, but his work of power within you will accomplish something. And what it accomplishes is probably not going to be what you expected it to accomplish. It's probably going to take you to places, do things in you and through you that you would have never expected. And it's going to be more than you would have asked for. God, I didn't ask for your power at work within me in this way. God, I never thought that your power within me would work in this way. But ultimately, at the end of the day, though, the outcomes may not have looked like we had expected or hoped they would, we still look back and we say, thanks. Because it may not have been the we thing or the me thing, but it was the right thing. Verse 21, Paul writes, glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul writes this capstone to the doxology that he begins in the previous verse, essentially focusing once again, as he did in verse 20, on this idea of glory, that all of these things that God is going to work and accomplish in us and through us, both in the church and through the power of Christ Jesus in all generations forever and ever are a result of God's glory. What is glory? Well, Glory is simply the idea that God should receive ongoing accolades for what he's done for us. Glory essentially is, is that, an, an accolade, an affirmation, praise, glory. And so Paul is encouraging us here that God should receive from us on a regular and ongoing basis glory or accolades for what he has done in us, for what he has done through us, for that infinite power that has accomplished abundantly and infinitely more than we would have ever thought or ever hoped or ever imagined. I wonder if we act in that way. I wonder if we are people who only give accolades to God for an hour on Sunday. Maybe we give God glory, we give God accolades, but it's not necessarily 
ongoing. It's not 24 7, 365. And yet, Paul here says that, you know, this is not a start and stop situation. This is something that, that should be woven into the fabric of who you are and your ability and desire and follow through of glorifying God for all that he has done for you should always be at the very forefront of your mind and your words and your actions. I love how C.S. Lewis, and many of you will recognize the name C.S. Lewis. He's both a theologian and a scholar. He also uh, wrote many famous books. The one that's perhaps most famous is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe series. C.S. Lewis says this about power and praise to God. The most obvious fact about praise escaped me for the longest time. I thought of praise in terms of a compliment, approval, or the giving of honor. I never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise unless shyness or something else brings it into check. The world rings with praise. Lovers praise their mistresses. Readers, their favorite poet. Walkers, praising the countryside. Players, praising their favorite game. Praise of weather, dishes, actors, motors, horses, colleges, countries, historic, historical personages, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare beetles, and even sometimes politicians or scholars. I had not noticed how the humblest and at the same time most balanced and capacious minds praised most, while the cranks, misfits, and malcontents praised least. I had not noticed either that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising it. Isn't she lovely? Wasn't it glorious? Don't you think that magnificent? And I love, and with this we close, what C.S. Lewis said there, that in his experience, it is the people who were the happiest and the most centered who praised the most and was those who were not who praised the least. Are you a person of praise? Are you a person who lives a life of doxology, of spontaneous praise and worship to God? Are you a person who is thankful verbally and in actions for that infinite power within you? And do you give ongoing accolades for it? This Bible study from the book of Ephesians is brought to you by Christ's Table. If you'd like to join us in the study, there's an easy-to-follow guide in the show notes. We'd love to have you join us. You know, 65 million adults in the United States have dropped out of church, and that number will grow by 2.7 million before the end of this year. We here at Christ's Table are committed to doing something about that. We're committed to creating a world where the table is once again the center of the home, the center of family life, and especially the center of faith formation. Our mission, it's simple, to help people eat freely and drink deeply of life and of faith. Find out more about us by going to www.christstable.today. When you get over there, be sure to sign up for our email list. And for those who choose to donate, we have a resource box that we'll send you in the mail as our thanks. And trust me, you're going to like it. 
By the way, the podcast is available because of the generous donations of our listeners and the incredible community of people who call Christ's Table their spiritual home. Join us on our next episode as we continue our step-by-step study through the book of Ephesians. And if you'd like to watch these Bible studies live, there's more information on our website about that as well over at Christstable.today. Thank you so much for listening. We wouldn't be here without you. Until next time, I'm Pastor Kevin Young, and this is the Christ Table Podcast.